before I comment about that, <laughs> let me say, oftentimes you come, a couple of thoughts, if I can remember both of them. One, uh, oftentimes you come to church and you're like, oh, what's the pastor going to tell me I need to do now? And it's like, oh, man, we're about to be told something. What do we, what do we have to do? What do we have to do? Can I just affirm you right now and say, I've been, I, boy, you know, at five and a half years here. And sitting on the front row and listening to you sing, you know, there is no no doubt in people's minds, I think, as they kind of have lived in Flower Mound, that that you guys, and and I I mean this with all love, um, are are really reserved in a lot of ways. And and I get that, you know. I've been to England. I've seen it over there, too. I get it. But can I just tell you that as I sat on the front row, you singing loud and with conviction in the midst of your children was an amazing blessing. Keep that up. Keep, sing- keep worshiping our King loud and with conviction in this place. And uh, wow, don't let the trappings in. Uh, no, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Just keep doing what you're doing. It's, it's good. It's really good. Um, also, uh, Tommy. Wow. I mean, ha! Wherever you are, Tommy, thank you for that. And, and thank you for giving me now about 10 minutes. Um, the <laughs> you no, know, don't clap for that. Unbelievable. That's unbelievable. <laughs> Feeling Rodney Dangerfield all of a sudden. That, that video that we just played, the, the, you know, so the Cars movie was great. Cars 2 was great. Then they tried to do the Planes thing. It was, eh. then we did the Planes Fire and Rescue. Any kids in here see that one? Yeah, no, because I think that one went straight to like video, right? Matter of fact, how many of you saw Finding Dory? Yes, hands all over because it was a much better movie. But what I would tell you is uh, Fire and Rescue, it was, it was not bad for like a red box rental on a cross-country journey in the minivan, Okay. That, we can handle that. And you know what? The movie, as oftentimes happens in these Disney flicks, was a happy ending. And I would say that for, 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 uh, for often, oftentimes when we think about search and rescue, even in what Tommy just talked about, you know, searching into the building to see, is everybody okay? Is everybody accounted for in the classroom on Thursday night? You know, th- there are search and rescue moments that happen in our society that have happy endings. And sometimes on the 10 o'clock news, we find it's not so happy. What's the definition for search and rescue? The search for and provision of aid to people who are in distress or imminent danger. I was preparing this sermon before this week, actually, uh, because uh, we were in, I mean, we've been in summer mode, right? I mean, it was like family mission trip to Belize and cross training, and and we just got back from family camp in Arkansas that our church was a part of and and leading out in, and so, you know, I I had to kind of plan a little bit ahead, right? And so I do that, and then I, I come into this week, and Thursday happens, and I just think, wow, as I'm looking back at my notes again, thinking this was not by accident that you put this verse in my heart and mind for us this morning. Proverbs eleven twenty seven: if you search for good, you will find favor. But if you search for evil, it will find you. That's what we built the whole sermon on, really, for this morning, all of the 10 minutes that I have. And uh, my question to you is, how many of you have been involved in a 
Easter egg hunt. Yes, raise your hand. Easter egg hunt. Oh, all over the crowd. Yes. What about a scavenger hunt? Anybody, any scavenger hunt people? I was doing scavenger hunts for, I was a youth pastor for so many years. I did scavenger hunts. Get this, you ready for this? Back when we could do it at Intercontinental Airport, late at night, between the terminals and gates, and we didn't have tickets. That's, that's how long I've been doing scavenger hunts, right? What about playing hide-and-seek? Yes? You like doing that? Yes, absolutely. Okay, we love that. Then we get older, and searching for stuff becomes not so much fun. How many of you have looked for your keys or cell phone this week? How many of you have looked for your child in a store recently? How many of you have looked for your spouse's present on the day that you were supposed to give it to them? You see, it's search, that word search, we start to not get real excited about that word. But I want to challenge us to change our perspective about the word search. Because in this verse, the Hebrew word for search here implies that we are starting to do something at the crack of dawn. That at the beginning of the day, when we wake up, what are we to do? The verse says we are to search for good. That Hebrew word has to do with that which is right, that which is pleasant, that which is beautiful. And when I do this, what happens? I find favor with God. I please God with my life. So when I go throughout my day seeking what is right and pleasant and beautiful, I'm going to please God. Is that easy to do every day? No, it's not. Why? Because we battle with our flesh. We battle with a fallen world. We battle with an enemy. How many kids were a part of cross training a couple of weeks ago? Yes, all over the crowd. Yes, lots of cross training. And you know what? We had an enemy that we talked about there. Now we gave him kind of a fun little name with all the superheroes. The enemy's name that we gave him was the? The Fiddler. That's right. And so the Bible, though, doesn't give our enemy that name. The Bible actually gives that enemy the name Satan. And he is real. And even though he ultimately loses to God in the end, right now, you know what he's doing? He's raging war against God because he wants to destroy everything and everyone that God's created. Everything and everyone that God loves, and that includes you. And so we look at this verse and we see the word search and we think, okay, to diligently begin to start the day out to do that which is good or that which is right and pleasant and beautiful. Because then if I'm favor with God, that means it pleases God. And we think, okay, I get it. I got my marching orders. I can do that. Yes, sir, God. But then we come across a verse like this. And here's a challenge. 1 Peter 5.8, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil or Satan. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. It makes sense that that connection happens, right? Because I, when I set out to do what is wrong, Satan finds a partner. Just like what happened Thursday night. You see, whenever Micah set out to do evil, it says it found him. All of a sudden, there was an unholy merger. And that merger created destruction. And can I just tell you, That it's not just about what happened Thursday night, but the truth is we have an enemy that wants to destroy your family. It wants to destroy your marriage. It wants to destroy the relationships that you have with your parents. It wants to destroy the relationship that you have with your kids. It wants to destroy your witness. It wants to destroy this church. 
And then we have this in Ephesians 5.16, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. We have an enemy that is real. Let me just again remind you, some of you were not here in the very beginning of the service when Brandon talked about this. Please, 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 next week, take your kids to their areas. Have an adult moment in here with us to talk about the issues that are related to media and internet and phone usage and a lot of other things that we need to talk about because we have an enemy that wants to destroy and we want to be a church that helps. So please be here next week. Our culture is changing. We've decided to change definition of marriage. We've decided over the last 40 plus years that it's fine to kill a million babies a year. We've decided as a culture that it's totally fine for us to no longer have a focus on the one true God and what he desires for our country. And even in Christian circles, we get all kind of weirded out with these thoughts about what is right or how we should or shouldn't live our life. I was watching, I was reading this survey about Christians, and it's, it's, it's a survey that says things like 67% of practicing Christians believe that the highest goal in life should be just to enjoy life. Now, I don't know exactly where, and I know some of you say, oh, this is just a catechism, or this was just for the Puritans, or this was just for the Reformers. But you know what? I understand that the chief goal of my life is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And that's not just a catechism thing from when we were little. That's actually found in 1 Corinthians 10.31. But you know what? Most practicing Christians don't even understand that that's where we are designed and how we are to live that 25, here, this is funny, right? We'll throw you something funny for a minute. 25% of millennials believe that they're going to be famous by the time they're 30. That's a lot of famous people. But then again, I guess we have a lot of iPhones. I, I, was, I was reading these stats and thinking, you know, there's a, there are some challenges that face us. Church attendance redefined. 20 years ago? If you were at church three times out of the month, you were considered a regular attender. Today, regular church attenders are defined by those who go to church one time every four to six weeks. Because you know what? We've just decided we have less and less time for church. And if Christians are believing that, then what... Wow, we, we look at our society and go, there's a lot of stuff going on. And whether it's racial or, you know, whatever. And it feels overwhelming. But then I read Proverbs eleven twenty seven, And what we're called to do. That what we're called to do and be is to search out good. That which is right and pleasant and beautiful. So that our lives please him. And that involves people in our families. That involves a search and rescue that may occur in our families with those we love or even those that we have not met yet. So how do we do that? Four points and we're done. One, we search out the good. We search for the good by honoring others. Now I need some help. The Edwards family has volunteered to help me out. So Edwards family, come on down. Rob, Sarah, kids, come on down here to the front. Uh, We're going to play a little game of tug of war. And to make it fair, girls, I need you on this side, mom and dad on this side. All right, I'm going to put this right in the middle here. How many are rooting for the kids? 
How many are rooting for the parents? I'm, I'm sorry. All right. Are you all ready? You got to get this flag over here, girls. Parents, you got to let them get this flag over here. <laughs> on, your mar- on your marks, get set, go. All right. When Ron Holton comes back uh, next week, let him know that he'll buy you something for that. That's cool. (laughs) Too often what happens is rather than honoring and respecting the people in our families, we end up in a tug of war. We end up trying to figure out who's right and who's wrong. It becomes a battle. And that's how we live our life. Who wins this argument or who loses that one? Ephesians 6 1 says, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. And if you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and if and you will have a long life on earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with a discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. And so often I think we look at this verse and we go, Yay, God, suck it to the kids. They need it. I hope they're listening. But you know, as parents, I hope we're listening. Because it gives us responsibility as well. It gives us responsibility that has to do with honor and respect for them. And as we look at this mutual relationship here that honors God, you know what ends up happening is it winds up becoming a commandment that has a blessing attached to it. You see, because I believe that God set this whole life thing up in a way that sets us up to live life according to his instruction manual so that we operate under the protection and provision of him. And that doesn't mean that we're not going to get splashed upon by the sinful choices of other people. That our lives are not going to be impacted by this fallen world. We all know that. We're all examples of that. But you know, we live under his authority. What doesn't happen is we don't fall under the consequences of our own sin. Of our own negative, poor choices. And we are able to live in a life that is provided power by his spirit, as Tommy spoke on, so that we have all the love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control that we need to live this life regardless of what the enemy throws at us. So let's make sure that we stay clued in on how we even accomplish this challenging commandment. You know, it's not in our power. We don't parent in a way that pleases God through our own strength and knowledge. We do it as we stay connected to him. Kids, we live our lives out in our families in a way that honors and respects our parents. How? By staying connected to God. Colossians 3.20 says, Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Now, what's a primary way in which this creates division rather than unity? Well, I believe one of the biggest challenges that we're faced with is communication. If we get that piece right we are so much more likely to honor and respect each other. And so I need another volunteer that has nothing, it has nothing to do with tug of war. Anybody? Yes, come on up. This is awesome. Tell everybody your name. Mark, come step up right here. Mark, what I want you to do as loudly as you can, well, not like scream, but I mean, tell everybody 
uh, what you did for 4th of July. Like, where were you and what happened? Okay, you ready? When you mark, get set. Just tell me and tell them what happened on 4th of July for you. Yeah. Just, so what, what, what happened? What did you do that day? Well, you know, whenever I was at Camp Soto, keep going, keep going. And it was really cool because what happened was we were down by, no, keep going. <laughs> okay, go ahead, go ahead. What, what else happened that day? Because then whenever we went up to the, and it was, give him a hand. Give me. Ron, Ron will get you something too. Um, I think, I think we live that way in our relationships oftentimes, the ones that surround us, the ones that we really do care the most about. And yet what happens is we're in these communication moments and we're not really listening. And um, actually we're thinking more about what we want to say or the point that we want to get across. And so uh, th- those, those, ba- those battles happen and we don't listen and understand and express. And you know, the, the, the understanding part is really interesting too because it's not so much that you truly understand why your teenage daughter feels the way she does in that moment. But you do understand that it's meaningful for her. And when we express, it's not so much that it's our turn now to verbalize our side of the argument. It may be that what we're called to do is just to express what it was that we just heard. Because, you know, there's something called Brinkley's Law. And Brinkley's Law just simply goes by this. If there is any way it can be misunderstood by someone, somewhere, sometime, it will be misunderstood. How many of you... In a marriage, understand that rule, that law. These people did not. I pull these advertisements out. They prove the point. This dry cleaners wrote, we never tear your clothes with machinery. Pause. We do it carefully by hand. <laughs> this advertisement said, pit bull for sale. Owner deceased. That's, mi- that's misunderstood. That can be so easily misunderstood. Uh, one more. I like this one. Antique desk for sale. Suitable for a lady with thick legs and large drawers. That, that could, be, could be misunderstood. There are communication pitfalls all around us. Steve Tran lived in Westminster, California. The Arizona Republic writes about him that his apartment was inundated with roaches. Anybody ever have an issue with roaches? I grew up in Houston, lots of pine trees on our property. We had roaches we could ride. (laughs) Steve had roaches all in his apartment. And here's what happened. He bought 25 bug bombs. Set them all to go off at the same time. Fortunately, he was not there because the fumes connected to the pilot light on his stove. And blew up his apartment. The front door was on the other side of the street. Windows blown out. His stuff burned up. The, right, the, the, the reporter for the Arizona Republic asked him the question, what about the roaches? <laughs> you know where we're going. He said, quote, by Sunday I saw them walking around. How often do we let our frustration get out of control and we set off these verbal bombs in our homes? 
and the damage is extensive and we can't put the blast back in the bottle and the problem isn't solved. And there are all kinds of communication pitfalls. I get it. It's our feelings, our anger, other people, false assumptions, poor relationship with God, you name it. But what we're called to do is listen and understand and express and treat one another with respect. And that moves us into searching for the good because we honor one another. Number two, searching for the good involves thinking and believing the best about others. This doesn't mean everyone is always acting for our best interest or on their best behavior. We all know what is the temptation. The temptation is for us to criticize, to complain. That's the easy part, to assume the worst. But what if we began our day believing the best about everyone in our home? Believing the best about everyone in our home, and that's how we started tomorrow morning. I think it would change how I speak to and about my kids. It would change how we think about how we speak to and about our parents. I wonder if Paul had relationships in the family in mind when empowered by the Spirit, he wrote these words, Philippians 4, 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Is that always easy to do? No. Are our parents always right? No. Are our kids always right? No. But you know what? The challenge is, uh, for us is to start with the default of Philippians 4.8. I know that there are difficult times and circumstances in the lives of families. And what I hope you know is that this is a church that wants to be a beacon, that wants to send out a beacon that says, listen, if you want to talk, if you need to work through something, we're here. Don't hesitate to include us in those moments. But I know this in my own personal life, the way in which you walk through circumstances is greatly impacted by how you fix your thoughts. And Paul reminded us of that in Philippians 4.8. It's also important for us to search for the good as it involves speaking blessing. What does James say about our tongue? It says in James 3, 9, sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and curse, cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Proverbs 16, 24 says, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. And Proverbs 18, 21 says, our words bring life or death. So the word that comes to mind for me in this moment is encouragement. Does that word really define you? I think about coaches. You know, your kids are going to like or not like a coach based on a variety of ways in which that coach acts. For many of us with our kids in sports, the coach that your kids are most drawn to are the ones that, yeah, they help them get the win. And it might not be the win on the scoreboard, but it's the win in learning how to hit or learning how to respond in that position or learning how to block that goal. That's true. But you know the coach that they also really, really are appealed to, uh, uh, find appealing? It's the coach that has encouraged them. The coach that has spoken blessing to them. 
The coach that is looking at them and recognizing, you know what? They are people who need a personal interest, who are valuable enough for me to step into their life and care about them. And sometimes I think we as parents wonder, well, what in the world is wrong with our relationships with our kids? And maybe one of the questions we need to ask is, how's our coaching? Are we speaking blessing? Are we leading them to the win? Kids, I know sometimes it's easy for us to make our parents out to be the bad guys, especially even in your relationships with your friends. But the key point is for us to be honest with ourselves and go, well, wait a minute, you know what? Maybe I was the one that was disrespectful. I was the one who was disobedient. We've got to be honest with ourselves. Even as how we speak to our parents. But you know, parents, same thing. It's hard for us to speak blessing into our kids' lives and at the same time, in the midst of their friends, embarrass them. To speak down to them within their peer community. How are we using our words to be able to say, Mom, I just wanted you to know that this morning I thank God that you're my mom. Imagine saying that and it's not even on Mother's Day. Dad, you take care of our family in ways I'll probably never understand. Thank you. Son, I see God in you. I can't wait to see what you are going to become. Honor, respect, believing the best, speaking blessing, and finally, searching for the good also involves loving others. I was thinking about this loving others thing and 1 John 4 hit me. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he, is not, cannot see, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. We are called to love with the love that God has placed inside of us. And I would say two words as I've thought through just what this love relationship looks like, one of them is just the attention that we give. The attention that we give when we lay down the cell phone and see each other and in our eyes and who we are. But also, the word forgiveness comes to mind. Our, our, our country needs to experience forgiveness in a variety of different ways. Lots of resentment, lots of things that are pent up. But you know what? It's not just in relationships around our country. It's relationships in our homes. And sometimes we might be tempted to go, well, you know what? I got like 10% of that. But you know what? 90% is them. I mean, 90% is definitely them. They need to come. You know what? Here's the truth. Truth is, what does God do if even in that 10% that you say is yours, you step to the plate and you own it and you ask for forgiveness? And you walk in the blessing. There is a 90-10 rule. And God works in the midst of that. I, I guess as I was thinking about how to end, it hit me. That Brad Paisley song, I'm, I'm not going to sing it, but it was in the Cars deal. And the lyrics go like this. So baby, if you're wondering how I'm going to be when life lines up all around you and me, I ain't going nowhere, I'm all in. Listen to me now, and so when everything is coming down around you, that was like when all the flames were coming and like the 
I ain't going anywhere. This is like amazing grammar. (laughs) But these words make me think about that rescue part of the search and rescue theme for today. Because sometimes as we search for the good, God gives us moments to reach out and rescue family members. You know, as we search for the good, here's what doesn't happen. What doesn't happen is the rope is used as a tug of war. You see, when we search for the good and our lives begin to please God, you know what our families begin to do? Rescue. And oftentimes we end up rescuing each other as we're faced with depression and fear and frustration. As we're faced with temptation and all types of issues that the enemy throws at us. But you know what? It's hard for us to rescue each other if we're constantly in the battle. Because our eyes are on the conflict and not on the Savior. But you know, the beautiful part about this rope is that whenever it's no longer used in the fight, just as that song we sang earlier, ah, you rescued me. I'm reminded that I was rescued And there's people all around me that need to be rescued. God wants to use your family to do that. Now I see people in the neighborhood a different way. And I see friends on the ball team a different way. And I see my colleagues at work in a different way. I see people in my family that don't know Jesus in a different way. Will you pray with me? God, thanks Thanks for reminding us that we are to be about the task of reconciliation. Thanks for challenging us to instead of playing tug of war within our families, to throw out a line, to rescue each other. God, may these families be, as Tommy put it, lights on the hill so that your church, your big C church, is able to point people to the truth. God, we can fall so easily to the counterfeit, and God, I'm thankful that what you are is truth. So God, may our family stand for that, May we walk in that. God, may we speak blessing to each other. May we, ex- may, may we look at each other in ways that believe the best. May we honor each other and love each other and in so doing, shine as a light on the city. God, even as we move into this last moment of worship, you've called us into consideration of our own relationship with you. So God, if there's anyone here that has not said yes to you as Savior and King, God, may this be a moment that they take that step of faith. God, even in the things that we possess, in our talents, in the time that we have, in the money that we have, in this final moment of offering, God, may we lay all of that before you 
and say, however you choose to work, whatever you choose to do, God, it's all for you. It's all about you. God, may our lives be, a li- be lives of sacrifice unto you as we sing and close together.